Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we have had a great return um, into the year 2020. I was kind of curious to see if we would have a big drop-off in the holidays, if people thought that maybe we weren't putting out episodes anymore and how the numbers would look, but uh, it turns out we may have even grown over our little Yay. <laughs> Uh, Our numbers are doing very well, which makes me really happy, Mm -hmm. and makes me very, very hopeful for what we can achieve this year. So I'm really excited to see what happens. Yes, and and we're saying that because, from our point of view, the Killers episode just came out two days ago. So even though, to you guys listening, it was three weeks ago, I think now, um, that's news to us, and it's really cool being a new co-host to be part of a successful podcast and an instantly, you know, within two days, successful podcast. Um, so I hope that's indicative of the rest of my time on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, So because episodes back in the day, you know, first a good first week would be around, you know, 60, 70 listens. And we've gotten over 75 in the first three days for the killers, wow. which was really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really excited to see how these other episodes do as we continue to grow and to expand. Yep. Um, please make sure that you uh, leave a comment if you like what we're doing and leave us a review. It helps with all of the algorithms to help us to get in front of as many people as possible. So uh, it's not just so we can hear your thoughts, although we do love to hear your thoughts as well, but it helps us to be able to reach a wider audience. So um, And then ov- obviously share with anyone that you think might be interested in this kind of podcast. And go ahead and check out our Facebook page. I'm finally starting to get active on this again. And um, I would love to be able to continue to interact with you guys on here. I'm actually, I'm looking on here right now to see if I've, uh, if I've missed anything. Because, boy, we've got some things to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. So, um... um but yeah, go ahead and check out our Facebook page, uh, The Good Music Podcast. Uh, I'm going to be posting different discussions and news stories and uh, just different things about our episodes. And, you know, if we have any updates, that's where you'll find it. And uh, we just really encourage you guys to get on there and participate. Let your voice be heard. We will uh, we'll put on the air our favorite comments that we get throughout the week. So... Um, just let us let us know what you think, and we want to be able to interact with you guys on a more personal level and allow us to maybe get to know who our listening fan base is a little better. Also, we have a link in every episode that will allow you to donate some money towards us, and that would be obviously very, very nice. Yes. We would be very appreciative of I that. <laughs> uh, it's going to allow us to do more with the podcast. I've got some things in the works that are going to... Um, get us to new levels but of course that takes money so if you really believe in this podcast and you want to see us grow into what i am hoping to be one of the biggest music podcasts in the world me too (laughs) i'm glad that we share that that'd be weird if you were just Just like "Eh." i'm kind of phoning it in you know yeah (laughs) but doing that will allow us to um upgrade our gear be able to have access to more research materials, and just give us the ability to pour more into this podcast. And ultimately, 
it comes back to you guys. It'll give you guys more quality content, and not just more quality, but more quality. So, mm -hmm. um, just head on to the link. It'll give you some options on what to contribute monthly, and it would really be awesome. It'd be nice to have some uh, some some loyal patrons. Yes, it would. We we need we should look into that on maybe starting a Patreon. On starting a Patreon. Yeah. Well, my experience with Patreon is you you have a, a small group of people who end up donating a lot of money, and that's only if you're some big you know like artist like Jared Dimes will have a Patreon and he'll have you know however many like few hundred people. Yeah. You know, and how big as he is, you know, only having a few hundred is is really small. Um, but I, I've never used Patreon. I've never even looked into Patreon. It's just... It's something that I want to investigate okay. this year. So we'll, uh, if maybe, we if we decide that's something we want to do, we'll let you guys know, and that could be maybe a better way for you guys to support us, because that's also something we can be able to immediately give back to whoever's patron with maybe some exclusive content or... That would be cool. I'd also like to get merch at some point. That could be... Yes. That could be a fun place to... <laughs> Because I, I, have, I have a vision of t-shirts that say, uh, that have our slogan, which is, uh, keep on listening, keep to, good on listening music. to good music. Yeah. Like, which you should be doing, but, um. Yeah. Like one of those, uh, you know how they have the, the keep calm yes. one? Keep, keep calm, calm and, and keep listening to good music. Keep calm and listen to good music. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. So, um, yeah, those are, those are the things that we're thinking about this year. This is, this is going to be the year where we hopefully really, uh, get to that next level so um let's go ahead and get into what we're talking about today before we get into the artist yes there are some things yes and and one of them i could not guess so let lucas came with two things and i know yeah. one of them so let's start with the one i don't know so uh those of you that follow our facebook page you will see my um my tribute that i wrote to one of my heroes neil pert Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we talked about it on the previous episode. Uh, I, I want to say, was it was it on the YouTube one or the two one where we were talking about the four pillars? I I don't remember. I mean, both of those kind of run together in my head. Yeah, we did record um, them in the same night. You're right. It was, um, it was one of those. But it was probably Tool. I think it was Tool. because we were talking about like Prague and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know. I was just talking about all that, and then a couple, like two days later, mm -hmm. he uh, he passed away, and so I was. That was a really sad day for me because yeah. I I tend to be sad when musicians I like pass, but like he was the biggest living influence on my life musically. I mean, Freddie Mercury mm -hmm. had died right before I was born, mm -hmm. and so you know that wasn't something that affected me as much, but. When Neil Peart dying was just like a big, like gut punch because yeah. it was just it was out of the blue. Um, he hadn't told anyone that he was sick, or at least not yep. anyone publicly. Mm -hmm. Well, he's just a private guy. Yeah, we had found out that Mike Portnoy mm -hmm. had known about it for a couple of years, but um, yeah, and apparently he had died like three days previous. Yeah, and they didn't announce it for three days, um, which he, is total complete Neil Peart. It, it is such a. Like, even when he's dead, he's still being very private. It's just yeah. the way he is. Uh -huh. um, but that that prompted me to listen to the Rush episode, which is fitting because that is related to our artist, which we'll get to later. But, I'm, I'm um, glad that I was able to get a Rush episode yeah. at all. 
mm-hmm. and have one that's been fairly recent. And he um, he commented on probably his last tour that he said he's playing the best as he ever will. And I'm like, well, that's kind of sad because then, you know, him getting into his 70s and 80s, he won't play as well. But then again, like, he's playing really good now. And so even getting worse than this is still way light years ahead of basically everyone else. Um, and then turns out, you know, here he is, you know, dying, dying. of brain cancer. And I'm like, well, he was right, but... I wish it was under different circumstances. Yeah, um, I was I was really really glad that I got to see them on that farewell tour. The uh, first the, yeah. the first show was in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and I was I got, that was actually my R forty yeah the yeah. R forty tour, which n- no one knew it was the farewell tour at the time. Mm-hmm. We knew that a slowdown was coming because they had yeah. said that you know after this is going to be our last tour, and then they prefaced it with yeah. at least for a while. He he wanted uh, the last tour to be. Clockwork Angels, so they ended with the Garden, because that was the last song uh, for which the set on that tour. And which that's, is a that's, great that's, that's the last studio. That's that's the end to their studio. Great, which great song, yeah. yeah. I really like that song. That's probably one of the only songs from their later stuff that I'll put on repeat. Um, I'll, I'll put most of the Clockwork Angels album on repeat. That's, well, that's that that's true. I mean, really I mean, Caravan, B-U-T-B, the title track. Oh yeah, the Wreckers. Yeah, um, headlong flight. Yeah, headlong okay, flight that's is... a, that's a good point. Clockwork Angels really is a good album. Yeah, but um, wish them well is really good. Mm, okay, yeah, I forgot I mean, about that one. I mean, it's not it's not like oh my gosh, but it's, that's one that's like comes on. I'll, I'll be like, yeah, this is great. Oh, and uh, Seven Cities of Gold. Yes, that, that freaking bass intro. I had to use that in a in a class competition the other day. We had to come up with different songs that had the word like money or gold or diamonds in it. And um, you weren't able to repeat, you know, other people's songs. It's kind of one of those cliche games. And I came up, you know, with Seven Cities of Gold, and nobody else knew that song, so I had to look it up to, like, prove that it was an actual song. Um, I got a point, needless to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is a good song. It's a great yeah. album. But that concert was, that was in one of the best concerts I've ever seen. The mm-hmm. way that it was structured mm-hmm. was a reverse retrospective. The reverse retrospective, yeah. And, but I didn't realize that, because obviously I hadn't read any articles because the tour hadn't started yet. No one knew that that's what they were going to do, so I hadn't mm-hmm. seen a thing for me to expect. So they started the show with three Clockwork Angels songs. Mm-hmm. I was just like, huh, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And then they just kept playing new Older. era stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until they got to... Um, to the '90s stuff mm-hmm. that I was just like, "Wait a second, mm-hmm. I, I think I understand what's going on here." Yep. And once I f- figured it out, then it started to become a okay. Let's uh, predict. Let's what, predict yeah. what song. <laughs> and you know, then the, it's and of course, once they started getting further and further back, mm-hmm. that's when I was just like getting into it more and more. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, yeah. by the time they hit the they hit the intermission, they before the intermission, they ended with subdivisions, yes, which, was which a, is one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah. Period. And then coming back in with Tom Sawyer mm-hmm. and doing Red Barchetta, which is my favorite Rush song. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a fun song just to play. Just the intro is so. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then and then they pulled out some incredible. I wouldn't say deep cuts, but songs they hadn't played in a long time, like playing Jacob's um, Ladder. Jacob's Ladder 
and uh, Xanadu. They did losing it. Not on too. the sh- not in the show I was at. Oh, they didn't. Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. No, they. Uh, uh, I want to say that that's what they did that at Toronto. Yeah, I got I, remember... I got the DVD set, and so I was able to look at the songs before I actually watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew they were going back. Yeah, no, they didn't do they didn't do losing it at my show. Mm. But yeah, uh, Xanadu, Xanadu. Um, doing Cygnus X One. Yeah, they did Hemispheres too, and uh, they did one uh, Caress of Steel track. Lakeside Park. Lakeside Park. That's what it was. That was a really nice surprise, and of course, once I figured out, I knew they were going to end with Working Man. Mm-hmm. So it, well, that was that's an obvious one. Yeah, but anyway, so Neil Peart, what a what an incredible influence. I'm glad that he got to go out the way he wanted to go out. Yep. And that he got to have that time with his family before this mm-hmm. happened. And mm-hmm. just I listened to a lot of Rush music over the weekend and watched a lot of his drum solos on YouTube. And just showing him to everyone, I was just like, you know, I know you guys aren't the fan, but just like, I need you guys to understand what we just lost. Mm-hmm. And just showing people these videos of him playing on YouTube, and they were just like, "Whoa!" I just I never realized he was at that level. Mm, yeah. And he's he's the driving force behind what made me start to want to love learning music. I learned started learning music before I discovered Rush. I mm-hmm. I was actually probably about six months into learning drums, mm-hmm. and it was because I started in that summer between uh, right before my eighth grade year. And it was that Christmas that I discovered Rush for the first time. And that's when I was like, became passionate about learning drums. Whenever I was just like, oh, wow, I want to, I want to get good so I can learn how to play that stuff. That's, that's the music I want to play drums to. And he's the person that behind the kit that I feel like my style just naturally is, um, influenced by like i'll do things that i'm making up but then i think back and i go it's just like that was a very neil perfect yeah. thing for me to do mm-hmm. and and as i started like around the time that i got into rush was around the time i started like writing music on my own and a lot of it was just like midi programming and stuff and so mm-hmm. i had to midi program the drums you know one by one yeah and as i would go through fills i would think to myself is this a fill that neil peart would play and if it was i would keep it yeah. And so he he even though I'm not a drummer, he still influenced my writing style a lot. Yeah. And especially Rush just in general. And so it sucks cuz the first time I heard it, my friend just texted me out of the blue, Neil Peart is dead. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh." You know, and he's he's one of those friends who never texts me. We always like communicate through Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. or talk face to face. And so t- for him to just like text me, it was just kind of like Ah, it's kind of dark and yeah. kind of sad because he was two, also a big Rush fan. I had so. two news outlets message me at the exact same time as I was pulling into my house. And okay, Loudwire. Loudwire and, and Ultimate Classic Rock both messaged me at mm-hmm. the exact same time. And I just, I looked down and I just was like, no. And my son was just like, what's wrong, daddy? And I was just like, I, I can't explain it to you right now. <laughs> We're going to go in and listen to Rush though. <laughs> Yeah. He's he's actually become a uh, my son loves Tom Sawyer and he yep. loves New World Man. Those are his two Rush songs that he really likes. Yeah, New World Man, great song. That is a good song. Which I'm interested or not interested. I'm intrigued that when you uh, did your Rush episode, 
no one ever made the comment that Tom Sawyer was just Neil Peart drumming and getting Alex from just trying to follow him. I mean, that's I how they wrote that song. That's how they wrote that song initially. <laughs> was was Neil Peart started drumming and Alex and Getty just tried to follow him. Interesting. And, and Getty made that comment at one point that I that's didn't... what they do live still. So. Not anymore, but that's what they did live when they performed that song. So. Yeah, I didn't know that. There's another tidbit of information. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, we lost one of the greatest drummers of all time. The one of the greatest. Drummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Uh, yeah, and just an all round musical legend. So yep. uh, rest in peace, Neil. And we'll see you on the other side. But now we've got something else to talk about. And the other thing is... It's something that I've been... I have was anticipating for such a long time. You said it happened today. today. Yep, I found out this morning. Um, and it's the uh, the Rock Hall of Fame Class of 2020. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no, this is this is the thing that you said was also bad. This, this was the best batch of nominees. All right. So I'm Ever. Gonna, I'm going to go ahead and say Pat Benatar didn't get in. Nope. And Judas Priest and Motorhead didn't. Nope. And um, that one German synth pop band that you were talking about during U2 didn't yeah, get in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not one to one. I was mad about. I mean, that would have been really cool if they got um, in. But okay, I, who got in? Um, I'll start with what I was happy with. Okay. Which was Doobie Brothers. Yeah, okay. I was happy about Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Uh, and I was happy about T-Rex. And Soundgarden didn't get it. No. Oh, no. That's the one that I was, like, jaw on the floor, just like, I don't understand what world that I'm living in yeah. right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, like you said, you know, last episode, it's it's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's which which were... That's, the Music Hall of Fame. So there's only six inductees this time. Last year, there were seven. Mm-hmm. And it always fluctuates. One year there's only five, but it's just like, if you have the ability to induct at least seven, why not just throw in a seventh one? Mm -hmm. Let Soundgarden get in. Let Judas Priest get in. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then, so those are the three. Motorhead, I mean, they've influenced everybody, you know? So those are the three that I was, I was happy. I was just like, good for them. T-Rex was the one I was really surprised by. Mm -hmm. Not because I didn't think they deserved to, but just because I didn't think the Hall would let them get in. Because they're just, they weren't ever a big U.S. band. They were really big in Europe. And they were more influencers than, um, than like, being the big band themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I was saying the other episode that they are, like, kind of the ground zero for glam, which was one of the biggest movements of the 70s. Oh, right, right. I remember they were, they were kind of the first ones to fully embody what that meant. Uh, look wise, music wise, mm-hmm. you know the the glam rock guitar sound that was with Mark Bolin. Mm-hmm. T Rex did that first, and um, so I'm I that was the one where I was just like, all right, good job, Rock Hall. Yeah, and then of course Doobie Brothers, that was an easy. That's yeah, that's, that's their sh- that's, that's kind of a shoe in. That's their one. You know, let's get a classic artist in there that was big that never got right. attention from us before. Mm-hmm. And then Nine Inch Nails, I just, I really like them. I felt mm-hmm. like they should have gotten in earlier, um, just for how influential they were, and just for how good they were. Mm-hmm. And then, there's one band that I'm just indifferent to, like, they don't bother me, they get in, but I would have been perfectly fine if they didn't, which was Depeche Mode. 
Um, The thing that bothers me about Depeche Mode is that they and Nine Inch Nails live in just about the same world of industrial electronic music Mm -hmm. and even the same time period. Um, uh, I mean, Depeche Mode was around a lot longer, but they hit their big point when when Nine Inch Nails started to get big. And so it was just kind of like, if you're going to spread the wealth, like you're putting two bands that are literally like contemporaries of each other. Yeah. Um, even though I'm sure Depeche Mode influenced Nine Inch Nails, it was just still, there wasn't a big gap time-wise or genre-wise. Mm-hmm. And then we have the two that I was just like, ugh, which was Whitney Houston. Yeah. And I'm not saying this because... She's not bad, she, but she's not rock and roll. No. And I would have been fine if they, if there was only one artist like that to where it was something that was... Fringe, and I mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think saying this is just like, I don't think Whitney Houston's real music, but it was just like, we're going to put her in before some of these other bands. Yeah. Um, Who've been around a lot longer and influenced a lot more people. And, yeah, and then yeah. the Notorious B.I.G. Oh. That's the what? one just like, ugh. That's, no. Ugh. Oh, and man. I, go ahead. Comment, tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, I like the. Yes, I just I'm like sure having the comments anyway. Fans yeah, that. and again, I'm not saying <laughs> that these people are undeserving, but guys, in your opinion, we can't say that we're diversifying when heavy metal is continuously shunned yep. by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. We can't say that we need to get other kinds of artists in because we're ignoring one of the biggest and most long-lasting genres of music out there. Yep. Since the 60s. No. Easily. 1970 was the first metal record. Really? No 60s. Well, I mean, not metal record, but metal music. Mm-mm. Okay. I mean, I mean, you could you could take a gander that there were some metal... Pre-metal-y. Proto, we could say proto-metal. Yeah, like Helter Skelter, what year was that? Yeah, yeah, Helter Skelter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah that was um, 60s, wasn't it? I would it? even say some stuff from Led Zeppelin's first couple albums right. could classify as heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, why why can't we get in these bands like Judas Priest and Motorhead and Iron Maiden? Mm-hmm. Like, these bands, they're not just like these underground groups. Iron Maiden owns their own 747. You know, I they're, mean, if there is a different definition of rich and famous as far as your music goes, I mean, I want to hear it. They've you know? sold more albums than a lot of people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They yeah. are still playing to bigger venues and to more people on a regular mm-hmm. basis than these than a lot of these other bands. Yeah. They've influenced their entire genre. I'm not saying we need to start, like, at this point, honoring bands like Pantera and Slayer, although we should get to them eventually, but like, yeah. why can't we get in these yeah. these these pioneers, these forefathers? Right. You know, we've got Black Sabbath, and Metallica in, but I mean, Judas, they are pioneers for sure. Judas Priest. But so is Judas Priest. They're new wave of British heavy metal. You know, like number one. Yeah, they were so. they were the ones that came in right after Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It's just it it makes me so mad because mm-hmm. I understand why this list is the way it is because they're trying to make a statement. Mm-hmm. They're saying we're moving the rock hall in a different direction because the last several years has definitely been all about the classic rock artists that have been mm-hmm. snubbed over the years. And I don't think they've done the 
best job, but it's been better than the years before. Because, you know, we were able to get Def Leppard and Journey and Chicago and mm-hmm. uh, Bon Jovi and all these huge bands that just would never get the time of day in the previous years. But, um, I mean, just it just makes sense that if you're going to try and win some audiences that you don't currently have, heavy metal is the best way to do that. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was the biggest growing genre in like 2018 or something. Yeah, I mean... By far. It's the healthiest genre of music out there right now. Yeah, that's true. It's it's the one place where you're finding uh, pure original music... Where by you're finding groups of musicians. By where you're with real instruments. Yeah, where you're having experimentation, where mm-hmm. you're pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. where you're really challenging the idea of music in of itself. It's where the real artists are. I'm not saying that there aren't artists in other genres, right. but that's where I feel like the majority of them are. Because these people right. are not playing for popularity. They're not playing to get on radio. They're playing because they're of the music. Yeah they're, yeah, they're the ones most focused with making art. Right. So. And so, just, I don't know when they're going to get it through their heads that this It'll is... It'll be a while. Yeah. It'll be at least ten years. Yeah, so, I mean, I thought for sure one of the two would get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, me too. And then I would have bet everything I had on Soundgarden getting in. That one also just yeah. Makes, yeah I actually, I actually that, wouldn't follow you on that one. To be that honest, just but. makes no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, just you have like they were they were one of the biggest bands of the nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were up there with. Pearl Jam and Nirvana, who both got in on their first nomination. The first year they were even eligible for nomination, they got in. Well, I mean, everyone knows Smell Like Teen Spirit and everyone, even Flow. Everyone knows Black Hole Sun. Does does everyone? Yeah, they do. I mean, I can't sing it right now. Have you ever? You, you I would listen to it, but I can't sing it right now. Every, every, that was a huge song. Okay, okay. I'll it take was. your word for it, it because, was. you know. They were they were a a genre defining band and they had one of the greatest lead vocal slash frontmen ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a one of a kind that is no longer even here on this planet. And so, mm-hmm. just when are they going to get around to honoring pretty much the people that started grunge? If you're even just for saying like like they were the first ones on the scene. Mm-hmm. They were there before Nirvana, before Pearl Jam. For Alice in Chains and Stone Temple. They got the first one out there. In fact, they had two albums before the other bands started coming in. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, they were the most talented musicians out of all of the grunge bands. Oh, I mean, it doesn't take much. I mean, not to not to hate on grunge, but it's it's a very simplistic, not technical genre. Which is why I think that Soundgarden is important and deserves recognition. But we'll get into that go. in another episode. There you go. Anyway. It's, don't worry. That that box has yet that, to fully be Is that be alluding unboxed. to a Soundgarden episode possibly? Maybe. I, I <laughs> will neither confirm nor deny it. Okay. I'm looking forward to that then. But, so, um, we'll... Uh, after I'll, all that ranting. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you everyone for continuing to uh, stick around after that. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about the band for this episode. So we're going to talk about a band that everyone agrees is, is one of the greatest of all time. Which, it's 
very fitting that I just listened to the Rush episode because they were accused of sounding like this band in their early days, and it's um, Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, they are technical. They were ahead of their time. They were kind of pushing the boundaries of, of music like we just talked about. And every single one of them is a legend. Oh, yeah. Every, every single of one of the four Led Zeppelin members, uh, John Bonham drumming, John Paul Jones doing the bass and the keyboards and all the weird sounds and stuff. Um, the secret weapon. And those two really kind of, they together, I think, were the secret weapon because while um, well, the, the, Jimmy Page and uh, Robert Plant were off doing their heroin-induced, you know, weird, like, back-and-forth whatever, um, John Paul Jones and John Bonham were just there laying down the beat and kind of jamming to each other. And, um, well, you know, and well, you hear that with some of the songs. Well, John, that John Bonham was, ended up not getting in a good place, the reason why he's dead right but but uh, yeah um they're just i I don't mean they're sober like literally (laughs) but they're um they're just laying down the beat yeah i i i don't think i'd go as far to say that john bonham was ever a secret weapon like everyone that is a musician pretty much like i mean that 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 duo was that duo but i would say even more so john paul jones like no one ever talks about him yeah he's he's oh yeah like in any other band he would have been the star member but in, because but in Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. it's just because he had no ego. He and well, he's also shadowed by Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and yeah, and know, John and even John, John Bonham, Bonham to a certain extent. Um, you know, he never got to go out and do the solos in the middle of the shows. Mm-hmm. You know, John Bonham always had his long extension that he got to mm-hmm. do. Jimmy Page always had his, and then of course when you're Robert Plant and you've got that voice, right, and that everyone's tried to emulate. And his looks to where mm-hmm. he got the spotlight, but man, let me tell you what, John Paul Jones has aged the best out of all of them. <laughs> I watched yeah. I watched the Celebration Day mm-hmm. concert, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I watched that one and uh, Song Remains the Same, which is from the seventies. Right. You look at Song Remains the Same. John Paul Jones is the weirdest looking of the bunch. Mm-hmm. The other ones just all look like real rock stars. Yeah. And then you look at Celebration Day, John Paul Jones looks like he's 10 years younger than the rest of the group. Oh, yeah, no, I saw an interview with uh, Jimmy Page over Stairway to Heaven, and they, they played through the song on vinyl, and he was, you know, giving a little commentary. And he he looked so old, it was so sad. It's but the drugs. It's, well, yeah, I mean, that's what, <laughs> so, you know, that's what, yeah, it's it's Led, Led Zeppelin's one of those bands, you know, uh-huh. where, you know, the money's there to fund the next high. yeah. But yeah. man, what a brilliant band! What a they are really band. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. but my love for them really went up when I got to sit with them for a long time researching for this episode. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. Uh-huh. Like I find that that happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, these bands that yes, I, I think probably the only bands that that won't happen to are the ones that I've already like investigated so deeply and know everything about them. Like you know, Pink Floyd. I don't think that researching for an episode is going to deepen my appreciation mm-hmm. because it's already so, so, so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but a band like Zeppelin, where I was pretty familiar with all of their music, mm-hmm. but hadn't really listened to a lot of the albums in quite a while and right. hadn't dug deeper, um, I've found a, a very much a new love for them and have found some new songs of theirs that have become some of my all-time favorites. And um, have realized that 
their physical graffiti album is maybe one of my favorite albums of all time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got into Led Zeppelin, it was at this point where I had been listening to just Stairway to Heaven from them for the longest time because I had you know a set of like ten or so ballads that I'd put on loop, and that was one of them. And Fade, for your, for to, Fade your, to Black was another one. For your one. sensitive teenage uh, soul. For Yes, back back in when I was, you know, 17 for the first time, um, <laughs> which I'm about to turn 17 for the third time in about a month, um, which, you know, it's really sad to think that Rush made it when they're 18 and here I am, but whatever. Um, oh, trust me, that doesn't get better. <laughs> when, you, when you're 28 years old, that, that reality really hits you a little harder. Yeah. The, only, the only thing that I'm holding on to now is that, well... I'll say that, you know, Queen was maybe about my age when they started, so Mm. at least I'm, but like, you know, Metallica was already making the Black Album at my age. Yeah. I was just like, God, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) This podcast, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The greatest music podcast of all time. By the way, guys, I say that sarcastically, I have a great life, but (laughs) you know what I mean. These people are just geniuses. Yes. Um, But anyway, uh, and so I started getting into more Zeppelin. I listened to The Ocean, Over the Hills far and Far Away, No Quarter, and then I got to Immigrant Song, and it wasn't because of Thor Ragnarok, but um, when I heard that song, and, you know, Robert Plant did the, uh, which, you know, we'll talk more about it later, that, mm-hmm. that kind of was what got me into, like, the Led Zeppelin sound. Yeah. And from then on, I started listening to more and more, and eventually it reached a point where... I think I had gotten enough Zeppelin and moved on to whoever the next artist was, which mm-hmm. is probably probably Metallica, and then I had the Metallica face. But yeah, um, I listened to... There was a period where I listened to a lot of Zeppelin, and so this is the first artist on this podcast that I would say that I have listened to more of the songs than not that are on the list of six. That's good. So. Um, yeah, my introduction to Zeppelin was... Uh, my best friend's dad gave me um, a greatest hits compilation, mm-hmm. but it was his and what he thought were the greatest hits, and so they were uh, on burn CDs mm-hmm. way back in that day because there wasn't streaming at that point yet. <laughs> and so whenever he gave me the CDs, when I put them on iTunes on my computer, there weren't any names on them. It was just track one, track two, oh. and so. I listened to a lot of these songs not knowing what they actually were. Mm-hmm. And I would like try and match them on, like I'd pull up their iTunes page and I'd go, okay, where are the songs that have this similar time length? Mm-hmm. And I'd listen to it and then I'd listen to the sample and see if it was the same one I'd try. And I remember there were still some that I never figured out what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but the songs that gripped me right at the beginning were um, Cashmere yep. and Whole Lot of Love. And mm-hmm. rock and roll, um, okay. Song and <laughs> those were kind of the songs that kind of the first time that I was getting into them. Like, yeah, these are their, these are the songs I really like by them. Uh, uh, Dear Maker was one of my early yeah. favorites. I remember I remember really loved because I also heard that song on the radio all the time, and I'm, and so I've I always forgot that that song even existed. Yeah, really. I, that's that song is our always. Even though I know it's a really corny song, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's got a close place in my heart just from memories. And then I didn't listen to him for a long time, and I would say about probably four years ago, mm-hmm. I kind of did a return to them. That's when I started listening to the albums a little more, mm-hmm. and I've specifically kind of 
uh, zeroed in that I really liked physical graffiti. And then I didn't listen to him for a long time again until about a month ago. Hmm. And I really started deeping, dipping deep into their catalog and was just really with a critical ear just going, wow, mm -hmm. this is incredible. And for the first time, really, their music influencing me as a musician. Like, I was on a big John Bonham kick and mm -hmm. just really going, okay, I want to start taking some of this and putting it into my style. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of been my, my Zeppelin journey. So let's let's talk about their music in, in of itself and just about who they were as musicians. Like, uh. <laughs> so how, in your opinion, how do all four of these guys become the greatest of all time? Like what stood them apart in your, in your opinion? They had the best, I think, well, close to the best, if not the best in every category, right? We talked Robert Plant, who was a legendary singer, Jimmy Page, legendary guitar player, John Bonham, legendary drummer, and John Paul Jones being the one guy who's kind of holding everything together. Mm -hmm. um, and so that'll appeal to, you know, all your, you know, 16-year-old wannabe front men who want to go see Led Zeppelin and their guitar player friend and their drummer friend. You know, they all listen to Led Zeppelin and, and you know, it's, it's that way with bands all the time. He's, there's he's, something for every musician. There's something for everyone, you know. There's not a bum it, player. It, I don't want to say it's like a family band, but because <laughs> it certainly is not. But, but you know, there's something for every part of the band. It's not just Van Halen where it appeals to just, you know, the guitar players. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of history. Okay, so, yes, because I'm, I'm bad on the history. Yeah, so the reason, the reason that Zeppelin was so big is you you look at what where music was rock music was in the late sixties because mm -hmm. the first album came out in sixty nine mm -hmm. actually the first two albums came out in sixty nine same year uh huh um we were on the tail end of the Beatles right Beatles were dying down um mm -hmm. the Jimi Hendrix uh, unknowingly to everyone was was about to die the next year mm -hmm. the same thing with uh, Jim Morrison of the Doors and mm -hmm. Janis Joplin mm -hmm. um. And the year before was kind of the birth of hard rock. Mm -hmm. So that's when Steppenwolf came around with Born to be Wild, which Ooh, was yeah. one of the first hard rock. I mean, uh, Helter Skelter was 68. Mm -hmm. You had Acid Rock, so you had like songs like In a God of the Vita and oh. <laughs> uh, the, Great, <laughs> the Grateful Dead coming around at this point. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of had this evolution that was happening in rock music at this point. And... Um, Led Zeppelin was kind of born out of the ashes of what were the Yardbirds, mm -hmm. which was Jimmy Page. Uh, kind mm -hmm. of he, I want to say he took over for Eric Clapton when he left. Oh, wow. Because not only is that where Eric Clapton came from, it's where Jeff Beck came from as well. I thought Eric Clapton came from Cream. Well, he went from the Yardbirds to Cream. Okay. That's why it was, a super, that's why it was a super group. Cause... Okay, Cream was the super group. Yep. Gotcha. So you had this, you had this shift that was going. You know, you the the summer of love, which was '67, was over. Mm -hmm. So there was no more flower power. There mm -hmm. was, you know, the hippie movement was was taking a darker turn. Mm -hmm. You had Woodstock going on in '69. Yep. Um, Vietnam War was really amping up, and, amping up, yeah. and the protesting was amping up as well. And you just you had this shift that was coming. And it took a band like Zeppelin to really push it over the edge. Yep. Um, 
I think that whenever they came around, they had they had a packaging, especially on that first album that was very familiar. It was blues. They were a blues yeah. band first. Oh, for sure, yeah. I listened and to that, that album. That was, first album is a, is a incredibly bluesy record. And it was recorded live. It was stripped from the live, you know, PA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, so it's very raw sounding. Yeah. Um, and, and still big sounding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big credit to John Bonham for that. Yeah, yeah. He was he really changed rock and roll drumming. Mm-hmm. You look at all rock drummers before him, they had a bit more of a jazz slash R and B touch to them. Ringo was never a drum pounder. Mm-hmm. Charlie Watts from Rolling Stones was never a drum pounder. You know, you look at, you know, all these Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, they they were not people that, you know, just beat the crap out of the drums. John Bonham was really the first one to do that to where he brought power. To mm-hmm. rock and roll drumming. Yeah. And you just had this powerful, dark sound that, yes, you had this familiar blues aspect to it, but then you had something that was just like, okay, we're, we're, we're tapping into something uncharted. Mm-hmm. Um, there had never, never been a vocalist that sounded like Robert playing up to that point. <laughs> never. Now there's a lot, but... Yeah, but um, at that point... At that point, no. And especially, like, the sounds he was making that were very suggestive yeah that was unheard of at that point mm-hmm. in music um jimmy page was just doing things with the guitar that weren't being done at yes, that point which which i remember eddie van halen talking about that in the uh, smithsonian interview mm-hmm. um, that he was inspired by a lot of the weird techniques that he was doing so. yeah he may yeah. not have been the best at them mm-hmm. but he definitely was leading the way for other people to kind of go okay let's figure out What's the full extent What's the that we can limit. take this? Yeah. He was really one of the first to start experimenting with a lot of alternate tunings. And, hmm. like, you listen to a lot of, especially stuff on Zeppelin Three, mm-hmm. that's got, like, some of the weirdest tunings you will ever see on guitar. Um, just to get that, kind of, that, that Eastern sound to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you listen to songs like Friends and uh, Celebration Day. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the rain song, those those are all in really strange mm-hmm. alternate tunings. And it was just they were just a band that were really pushing to see, okay, we're done with the psychedelic movement, what's next? And they were mm-hmm. kind of like, Okay, let's just go. Mm-hmm. And you look at the difference between that first and second album, you get to the second album and it's a I can't even believe that that came out the same year. Yeah. Because there's so much growth to it. Like, you go from song... I'm not saying that the first album's bad. Right. You compare it to the songs that are on that second album, though, with a whole lot of love and Heartbreaker, Ramble On, mm-hmm. um, what What Is and What Should Never Be. <sighs> Man. I, I I tried listening to the full first album um, when I was first getting into Zeppelin, and I decided that I didn't like it. And I really should have gone on to the second one because now you're making me wish that I had. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a flipping second record that is. Yeah. That's that's the point when Zeppelin became Zeppelin. Yeah. When they put out a good second record. Yeah. Um, and again, the first record's good. It's just, it's very, it doesn't sound as much like Zeppelin. There's yeah. songs where they really do, like Good Times, Bad Times, yeah. Dazed and Confused, I mean, Communication Breakdown. Uh, that's that's pure Zeppelin, but I mean, then you have a lot of these meandering blues jams mm-hmm. that it's just like yeah, those went over like a lead balloon, I'm sure. 
Yeah. Hence, <laughs> hence the name. Hence the name. Because they were the band was supposed to be called the New Yardbirds. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I want to say it was a journalist told them they'd they'd go down like a Led Zeppelin, and they were yeah. just like, "Well, screw you. That's going to be the name for our band." <laughs> I remember it being something like that. Yep. But, um, yeah. And then yeah, Zeppelin three is when they just just as they get their momentum, they almost nearly kill it with Zeppelin three because really? yeah. I mean, they had an immigrant song. That wasn't a hit back in the day. No, way. that's kind of the song that's that's grown in stature more as I mean, time has gone cause on. Because all of my friends know that song. They never played it live. They didn't release singles back in the day. Yeah. Okay. They because they yeah, preferred cause to just promote the album. Although you know everyone because they didn't want to ever feel the pressure to write singles. They just mm-hmm. wanted to for the albums to be the albums. That's kind but of so funny. that because of that, you know, immigrant song was never like a hit single. Mm-hmm. It's it's been more of a song that as time has gone on, people have gone like, yeah, that's one of the great Zeppelin songs. Yeah, the big songs off that album were songs like "Since I've Been Loving You" and mm-hmm. "Gallows Pole," mm-hmm. "Celebration Day." Um, you know those kinds of songs, and then you're also rounded out by all of this acoustic music, mm-hmm. songs like "Friends" and "Run Your Stomp," and that's the way "Tangerine." You know these, they were they were leading the way for this new, mm-hmm. harder hitting, almost heavy metal sound, and then they release a mostly acoustic record. Yeah, people kind of lost their mind on that, hmm. and we're just like, what the? It's aged a lot better as time has gone I mean, on. I mean, I believe it. It's know. it's one of my favorite Zeppelin records. I would say it's, I would say it's my third favorite to listen to, next to okay. Houses of the Holy yeah. and uh, Physical Graffiti. And that's controversial because everyone says that Zeppelin Four is the greatest one, which which has um, that's that's just the greatest hits. Yeah, that yeah. That's Black Dog, Rock and Roll, Black Dog, Stairway to Heaven, song. Misty Mountain Hop, When, when the, the Levee breaks. breaks. Yeah, I mean that's just that's a stacked record, and that's that's the point when they became the biggest band in the world, right? And became the, I would say probably the biggest pure rock and roll group mm-hmm. of all time. That never that never was a pop group. Mm-hmm. Like I always talk about how certain bands have great pop songwriting. There's no pop songwriting in what Led Zeppelin did, unless you count some stuff on Into the Outdoor. Mm. Well, well, there's there's looking back on it to us, it sounds like pop, kind of kind of pop songwriting. No, because you don't um, you don't you don't really have hooks. You don't really like it's. A lot of Zeppelin songs are not very sing-songy. Well, take take rock and roll for example. Yeah, but that's right. that's not pop songwriting. That's blues songwriting. Because that's just based off of the twelve-bar well, okay, blues. Yeah, pop structure, but no, not pop, not so- pop where you're, songwriting. Where you're using pop chords. I get you now. Yeah. Um, where you're, yeah, they just they kind of never were really. They ne- yeah never mm. really lived in that. They were either blues or uh, pure rock and roll. Or weird experimental, mm-hmm. like Robert Plant usually never sang things in a normal way. He was always singing it his own way, mm-hmm. and um, but still, they just as far as just pure rock and roll, I think that they were the, the best and the biggest at it. Certainly for that time, mm-hmm. and probably on an objective sense, they still are. 
one of the most recognizable names. Yeah, people that um, don't even really know much about rock and roll know about Led Zeppelin. Yeah, they at least know that Led Zeppelin exists, mm -hmm. you know, um, which there's something to be said about that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and then after after that record, House of the Holy was considered a big yeah. step back, although I think that it was a step forward. I, I actually kind of like a lot of the songs on that record. I think that it's a really bold record, and that's what people were saying. It's just like, they're they're getting too weird. You know, give us give us another Black Dog or Stairway yeah. to Heaven. It was just like they weren't going to do that. And then, in my opinion, the culmination of their period, of their career, was Physical Graffiti, yeah. which came out in 75. Which had Cashmere on it. Cashmere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many great songs. Trampled Underfoot, mm -hmm. Custard Pie, In My Time of Dying. What an incredible song. Ten years, oh, yeah. ten years gone. The Rover. Freaking The Rover is so good. <laughs> um, Down by the Seaside is a great song. Mm -hmm. It's just... That's the album that I just have the most fun listening to. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it just kind of... Yeah. When the drugs just really got to be too it, much. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, we'll uh, we'll continue to talk more about Zeppelin, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to look at the songs. A really difficult to pick selection of songs. I'll yes. talk more about that when we get back. So, stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Led Zeppelin in this episode, so now it is time to talk about the songs. So, Grant, what's the reason that we're picking songs and talking about them? Um, okay, so these aren't necessarily the greatest hits of Led Zeppelin or Lucas's favorites of Led Zeppelin because he is picking the songs, but they are a good representation of what Led Zeppelin kind of is musically um, through the years, and they've been arranged in such a way that they create a musical arc that's more than just the songs themselves. And so if, if you have listened to these songs, um, if you were to listen to them in this order, you'd get something else um, out of it that you wouldn't have heard before. Um, and then also they're just something for us to talk about so you guys can learn a little bit more about Led Zeppelin and our musical tastes and maybe your musical tastes. Um, and then you'll add a link in the description of this podcast that goes directly to Lucas Will. Um, add a link in this podcast that will go directly to a Spotify playlist with these songs. So if you want to listen to them, go ahead and find that link, and um, you'll know what we're talking about. So yeah. I think I explained that adequately well. So our yes, first song would be... The Immigrant Song. The Immigrant Song. I changed this song so many... This was the first song that I settled with, and I was just like, but wait, I could put a whole lot of love here, or mm. I could put Black Dog here. <laughs> or I could put. I almost settled with good times, bad times, because because that no, that would have been. This is a, a good. This is a good. And selection. then I came back and I was just like, no, immigrant song's the best way to start it. It it starts off just like da 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 da, -da you know, and mm -hmm. it's got a really like straight four four just rocking octave riff with that kind of weird delay reverb intro, whatever it is. Yeah, and um, a freaking hard song to play. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. Um, not it, on, not just on stringed instruments, but on drums as well. It sounds so simple, you know, because because at least for guitar, it's two notes, but they're two strings apart, 
and it's a weird picking pattern that's kind of fast um, if you really want to play it up to speed. Um, and it's a song that I've struggled to play with for uh, play for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and I love this song. But man, this this song kicks some serious butt. <laughs> it really does. Even without a guitar solo, it it still is just it's a it's a rock song. It's a just heavy metal rock. This song is a wham bam thank you ma'am. It, it is. doesn't it it's in it and doesn't out. mess around. It's uh-huh. like two and a half minutes, if yeah. that, right? It's one of the shortest songs they ever made. Yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Slayer took some pointers from this song. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a early metal song. Uh-huh. Although yeah. I wouldn't say that this is a metal song, but it's just like it's one of the songs that okay. was very influential in metal's development. Yep. I mean, it's a super heavy riff, heavy drumming. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are very metal, especially now really that we, Norwegian now that we black have metal kind of. It was kind of really one of the, at least the first song that I can think of that, that talks has, like, about that. Norse mythology. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, Hammer of the Gods and, <laughs> and Back from the Land of the Ice and Snow. Mm-hmm. That's That ends up becoming one of the most popular themes in heavy metal lyrics, especially yeah. you got a whole subgenre dedicated yeah. to it with no, Viking yeah. metal. Uh-huh. Um, um, and just that, that, that howl, that... Da-da-da. Yeah, which... I'm not going to even try to do. Uh. So this was actually the first Zeppelin song that I ever heard. Really? And it was when I heard it in the um, the movie School of Rock. Have oh, you ever, have you ever seen with that movie? Uh, Jack Black? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen parts of that movie. There's a famous scene where after they um, successfully audition for Battle of the Bands, mm-hmm. they're in a... They're in a van, and that song starts playing, and uh, <laughs> Jack Black is doing the, ah, he's making this crazy face, and so every time I hear that song, I, I think of that scene, <laughs> but some this yeah. leads me into something that's, I want to talk about Zeppelin, and that's their, um, their infamy and in not letting anyone ever license their music. Mm. They never let people play their songs in movies or in TV shows or in commercials. Like, you have to really pull the right strings in order for that to happen. They never appeared in any rock band or Guitar Hero games because of that. Like, Jimmy Page is, like, very adamant about, like, you know, no one gets to use our music. Hmm. And and, um, I remember I learned about this watching the bonus features for School of Rock. And they talked about this a little bit. And they were just like, we really, really want this song. And so they filmed a video to Led Zeppelin of the entire cast and crew on their knees begging Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and, and like, Jack Black starts, like, bowing down to them, just like, you are the rock gods. We worship you. Just please <laughs> let us use Immigrant Song. And, um... They did. Yep. Uh, before, and there was another movie, Almost Famous, used two of their songs. I actually haven't watched that movie in a long time. And I bet, at the time, I didn't know what Zeppelin songs those were. I just knew mm-hmm. they were Zeppelin songs. Mm-hmm. That's because Cameron Crowe just has all of the, he used to be a rock journalist. Mm-hmm. That movie's kind of based on his life. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. I've heard of it. That's a great rock and roll movie that, you know, if you like 60s and 70s rock music, you need to watch that movie. Okay. Um, there you go, listeners. And <laughs> But I always found that whenever people do use a Zeppelin song, whenever they 
they are one of the few to get that privilege. Immigrant song is always the one that they choose. Right, because it's short. And, and, it's, it's, and it's iconic. And it's powerful. Yeah. Especially, you know, you think when the riff comes in, it's going to be really powerful. But when uh, whatever chord it is, when they go down to that, he says, back from the land of the ice. Mm-hmm. That chord is so big. Yeah, and then, and then it kind of goes down from there. And then, and, yeah. and kind of as he's as he's singing the rest of the verse, and then of course it resets and it just it hits yeah. you again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's this song has kind of risen to become their most recognizable song, oh, even Easily. even more so than Stairway even to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, to where like it's the song I would say has the greatest chance of you pulling someone right. random and you play a number of Led Zeppelin songs. Mm-hmm. That's the song they go, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. It, it it has been more than a few times where I'll start playing the interlude to like Master of Puppets or something, and somebody will go like, "Oh, is that Stairway?" And it's really sad, but I'll play Immigrant Song for you know random people, similar. and and you know people will instantly recognize Immigrant Song and try to do the the sing along part. You know, people who are my age who are not at all into the rock or metal scene. You know, they listen mm-hmm. to like Little Uzi Vert or whatever. It, whoever it is, and, and but they know immigrant song, yeah, and it's probably because of you know Thor, Thor, at this point. But, but even before, that, but even before that, they still knew that song. Like that, that, uh, that, uh, that howl that he does has become is now become one of the most famous moments in rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. It's just it's become just iconic, mm-hmm. and I just think that that's so interesting because this song was not. Uh, considered one of their big ones back in the day. Hence, mm. like, they, like, never played this song live. Well, I mean, like you said, that the album it was on, uh, Led Zeppelin III, didn't, or aged very well, but it wasn't received well in its time. Yeah, I mean, it's st- it still sold really well, but the critics didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Rolling Stone magazine was just like, uh-oh, this band might not go very far. I mean, that's happened before. No, yeah. yeah. Well, I've learned to usually never trust what Rolling Stone says. <laughs> just don't don't trust what the music critics say. Just listen to the music on your own. Uh-huh. It's a, it is a great record. Mm-hmm. But, like, at that, during a lot of their 70s run, the only song they would ever play off that album was uh, Since I've Been Loving You, which is, huh. which is a really great song. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it actually might be the best written song on the album. Um, but that was, it's, it's a bit more of a bluesy song. And just yeah, you, they, even on the celebration day concert, which was uh, I want to say that was in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't play that song on there, and that was pretty much like a big greatest hits show because they only did one show together. And it's like if you're gonna play an Im- immigrant song, then mm-hmm. that's the place to do it. And they didn't. Hmm. So, uh, well, I mean, it's very interesting. It is. But so this song really just. Is meant to in the start just like get you pumped up, it but is. then immediately pull back to allow for us to get to the second song, which is which is um, oh, is it just rock and roll? Rock and roll. I'm so used to saying rock and roll rebel from Ozzy. Now this song we I think we talked about earlier was it, it's kind of simple blues stuff, and that's one of the reasons why I actually it's one of my least favorite. Led Zeppelin songs. Really? Yes, because, well, I shouldn't say it's my least favorite, but it is it is definitely my least favorite of their popular songs. Hmm. Because it's it's overplayed, 
My dad loves it a little bit too much, and so he'll play it a lot at high volume sometimes. And, uh, and you know, 99% of our listeners don't even know the relation, you know, why my dad's so important. He's in the band that me and Lucas are both in, yeah. so that's, that's why he comes up a lot in conversation. I'm not just... Plus, he's your dad. He's also my you dad. You can talk about him whenever yeah, you want. Yeah, that's true, but, you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, you know, daddy's little boy. <laughs> That came out the wrong way. <laughs> All right, we're gonna pretend we're gonna not edit that out because because oh, uh, that was I'm too so good. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I, I know my new nickname for you now. Oh no. Okay, we're gonna continue um, on "Rock and Roll" by Led Zeppelin. Um, anyway, it's it's one. Of, it's probably my least favorite of the popular Led Zeppelin songs because it's overplayed and because it's it's too simple for Led Zeppelin, in my opinion. Ah, oh, see, that's why I like it. That's why I like it so much. It's just, it's it's different mm-hmm. because it doesn't sound like, even their other blues songs don't sound like this song. This is just like a straight-up throwback to 50s rock and roll, but in my opinion, done with, done so much more interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the drumming in this song is so great that one, one of the most iconic drum intros ever. I mean, just... Oh, oh for sure. Yeah, that's that's instantly recognizable. Great guitar solo. I think Robert Plain's vocal is so good on this song. It is, yeah. It's one, it is he one showcases the, his voice, for sure. Yeah. And I just, to me, it's the simplicity that I love about this song. Mm-hmm. It's it's taking the tried and true formula of rock and roll mm-hmm. because that's back in the fifties. That's what every rock and roll song was. It was mm-hmm. that, it was that chord progression, the twelve bar blues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, whenever I'm teaching music, I use this song as an example. It's just like okay. So I just told I just mapped out what the twelve bar blues is. Here it is in action. I put on rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. Mm. Uh, this song is really fun to play. I love playing this song on both bass and drums because, again, it's it's simple. I don't have to think about it too much, but it leaves room for me to throw mm. things in here and there. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's fun to play. You know, this is sometimes songs that are not good to listen to are really fun to play. In my opinion, here's the thing: you guys are going to learn about me and you as well, Grant. Okay. I I love the most complex music out there. Like, I, I love things that have taken me years upon years to even begin to decipher it. Yes. But I also really love simple music. I don't I don't pick and choose. Like, just because I like complex music doesn't mean I hate simple music. I like this song because I don't have to think about it while I'm listening to it. This mm. is a song that just makes you feel. You feel it. It's just okay. kind of, it's more of, you just get to experience and be a part of it. It makes you move. It gets you just in that great rock and roll spirit. Okay. Because there's a lot of other Zeppelin songs that I'm thinking while I'm listening to it. Oh, oh music should make you think. It should demand your attention. But yeah. sometimes, I, sometimes the music should just take you over in that more, um, that, that primal side. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I think that that's what rock and roll does and what it's meant to do it's meant to make you move it's meant to make you well still when you listen to it yeah there's there's definitely great musicianship going on Uh but it's you know the lyrics aren't meant to like engage you mentally Uh it's more meant for sing-along um it's just it's just a great pure rock and roll song Mm. i mean even the lyrics 
are about just rock, rock and, and roll. roll. Yeah. Uh, it's it doesn't get much more simple than that. Of course, you know, with Led Zeppelin, rock and roll probably means something very, very different. It's Led Zeppelin. It's just the way it is. I saw yeah. I saw a pie, gra- a pie graph one time, a pie chart that uh, was talking about the different lyrical themes, and said something like seventy five percent of Zeppelin songs are about sex. And then, I, I'm surprised it's not higher. And then uh, it's it said uh, 23% is about um, Norse mythology, hobbits, and other ah. mythical crap. Uh, and the other 2% is stairway. 2% is citrus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which that made me laugh. <laughs> oh. A lemon song, tangerine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but just, you know, I just, I, I like this song because, okay. because of the fact that it's, it's not complex. It's not thought provoking. It's just, it's, it's Led Zeppelin distilling it down to its most basic ingredients. Yeah. And I think that they do that without losing anything. And I think it's the reason why this song has endured for as long as it has. It, it does sound like live energy. This was the song that in the 70s they opened their shows with because it immediately like set a great bar for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, great drum, little mini drum solo at the end of the song. Yep. With that kind of weird dissonant little whatever it is, E sharp nine or something. You would, pro- you would probably have a much better idea of what that, that, that chord if, is. If I were Jimmy Page, that's what I would have played, and, and that's a that's a chord that was really common during the time to end songs with, you know, especially for mm-hmm. blues. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Hendrix chord at the end. In all of the different iterations of this song list, this was one of only two songs that always stayed constant. Mm. This one, and then another song later, was just, I always, in every version I did, this song not only was always in it, but it was, I always had it at the number two spot. Ah. Because to me, in my mind, it's just like, this song has to be here. Okay. Other songs can change around it, but this song has to stay where it is. I believe that strongly in it. Mm-hmm. So, we kind of have an interesting ending to this song. Uh, yeah, with the drum solo and that, and that weird kind of E9 or whatever it is chord. Um, and both the, the first two songs, you know, Immigrant Song and, and Rock and Roll, were kind of high energy, um, especially rock and roll was, was a lot higher tempo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it lasts a little longer. It, it, it well, certainly, you know, because Immigrant mm-hmm. Song is so short. Um, and then we cut into the third song, um, which I always forget how this one starts because it's got so many different It starts just with the acoustic guitar. To it. Um, Yep, I got you now. I got you now. Um, yes, and so what's so what song are we talking about? Or, oh, yeah, we should probably say that. Um, <laughs> Ramble on, which everybody should know the chorus to, you know, because it's literally Ramble on, and then whatever he says after that. Um, it's kind of like uh, staying alive, where it's like staying alive, you know, but it's. That's a- ramble on, <laughs> ramble on. Well, know. actually, no. He only says it at the beginning and at the end. Really? It's, uh, ramble on. Okay, because every time I, I sing, sing along, my song, every time on I my sing- way, and then oh, ramble on. Oh, at the end. I got you now. 
Yeah, but every time I sing along to it, I just say Ramble On, so... This was the song <laughs> that didn't make it onto the list until the final incarnation. Because, honestly, it was... And the reason I put it in is because I was just listening to Zeppelin 2. Mm-hmm. I've always loved this song. I've always thought it's one of the more ingenious songs they ever wrote. Mm-hmm. Because it's just... It's got the right balance of accessible, but really original. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other song out there that sounds like Ramble On. Yeah. And in my opinion, this is the song now in the set that you're really going to see their superior songwriting skill. And and their experimentalism mm-hmm. as well. Um, because this song has so many different parts to it. But and yet the, all the parts... Right. Some, somebody tried to actually... The, one of the first times I actually heard this song, somebody tried to marry it with... Um, Nothing else matters. You know how people do mashups yeah, where they take some parts of, of some really, Some of them really don't work. Some of them are great, like uh, CV Wonder Superstitious and Metallica's Sad But True. That one's really good. Yeah. But, one of my favorites is uh, yeah. uh, Round and Round and Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine. That's a really cool <laughs> one. It's it's him singing Grapevine over uh, instrumentation that, of Round and Round. That would probably work. But unfortunately, Ramble On and Nothing Else Matters did not work. Because no, I don't think any both of them are have very distinct. They're not even in the same time signature. They're, they're not, but but they have very distinct um, ways that the the instruments feed off of each other, uh-huh. and the vocals feed off the instruments, and so it, it just didn't work. And for the longest time, that kind of ruined my perspective of this song. And then having had it in this list and hearing you know the different parts and how you know one section leads to another. And it just, it seamlessly flows as a stream of consciousness, and yet it's structured. Yeah. It, you know, that takes work. That takes serious, you know, thought into your music, and it's applauded. This is the kind of song that just blows my mind that Zeppelin 1 and Zeppelin 2 came out in the same year. That you yeah. have Zeppelin 1 that has, for the most part, fairly basic blues, blues. songs, and then you go less than a year later... And write an album that has a song like Ramble On on mm-hmm. it that is so far from blues. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of it there in the chorus that's kind of a bluesy riff, mm-hmm. but like the, all the acoustic guitar, the lyrics are nowhere near any kind of blues. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're ta- this is the first song where they start talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. And in the darkest depths of Mordor. That's like the only lyrics that I know, you know, in the darkest depths of Mordor. I met a girl so fair, but Gollum and the evil one crept off and slipped away with her. Her, her, her. Yeah. Also, this, I, I want this song to be um, where we really uh, highlight how great John Paul Jones is. Right, because that he... That bass line in the verse is right. so good. He... Remember, he's not only doing the bass line, but he also is doing the little synth part in the middle. Um, you know, and I'm sure he does that live as well while playing the bass. No, that's, that's, a, a, that's a guitar line. That I think sounded, it's... I think that it's, sounded cause, like Because live, he, that Jimmy Page does that... I think it's, I think it's, hmm. it's padded by some keys, but, it's, but that's guitar, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Okay, because I always heard it as a synth part, but um, that would make more sense, you know, considering mm-hmm. Jimmy Page being, you know, the personality he is. Yeah, and that's that's that seems to me a very Jimmy Page ish sound on it that he would make with his guitar. Okay, just hearing the other things that they've done. Um, but, I mean, 
totally discarding that, still with his bass playing, the tight bass playing, John Paul Jones does kind of show off a little bit. Yeah, and without he just, showing off. And he just really shows his great sense of melody. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a a great melodic bass line. It's that a he good plays. thing for a bassist to know is melody, mm-hmm. which is really counterintuitive, but. Um, it's kind of how I focus a little bit more on when I, yeah, whenever and, I play bass. And I'm sure up up until this time, bassists were kind of just playing the root note. I mean, is, the, is that true? Or they would you, walk. Yeah. I mean, you, you know the history behind yeah. that. And, I mean, I would say yeah. I would say Paul McCartney was the first one to really work with that. Okay. Uh, he was, because he was a guitar player that just ended up picking up bass because no one else was going to do it. <laughs> um, he was yeah. he was kind of the first one to really change how bass playing was. Like you listen to some of the stuff on the Beatles, and you're mm-hmm. just like you listen to the bass line, it's just like, wow, how did he come up with that? Mm-hmm. So John Paul Jones was definitely um, in the same. He was paying attention to what Paul yeah. was doing. Paul is maybe the most underrated bass player of all time because he's never known as a bass player. He's known as a vocalist. Yeah, and a songwriter, and right. and even a piano player more so than a bass player. But he's mm-hmm. one of the greatest bass players of all time. Mm-hmm. You really look at what he's doing, it's so good. Right. But John Paul Jones is definitely in that same wheelhouse of someone mm-hmm. that is probably not a bassist first, because, I mean, his mastery of the keyboards really shows that, that he, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know whether bass came first for him or if he just picked it up later as a necessity, but, like, he is someone that just is just knowledgeable, period, on music. And a yeah. bass line like Ramble On's is evidence of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I was saying earlier, I was just, I was listening to Zeppelin 2 and I, and this song came out and just struck me. I was just like, I gotta figure out a way for this to fit on the playlist. And it turns out that where I put it ended up fitting quite well. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is just the point of the set where you're really gonna start going, wow, okay, songwriting. The songwriting yeah. is really, really good. <laughs> the weird, the weird stuff comes next. I guess we could go ahead and move on to the next yeah. song. Yeah. Which is Dazed and Confused, mm-hmm. um, which I had heard once before because I did listen to the entire Led Zeppelin one album. Yeah, but that was years ago, and I was I was actually listening to it with you um, the first time, you know, after years ago, and this song came on. I'm like, oh man, I haven't really heard this song in a while. He's like, oh, oh, you're in for a treat, and and of course the little. You know, the very quiet drums and John Paul Jones doing his bass line. And I'm like, okay, so this is going to be kind of like an atmospheric song. And yeah, in, a sense, say that. in a sense it is. There's a lot but, of atmospheric sections But there's some serious, like, really fast, like, kind of heavy. You yeah. Know, if it, it, I'd say more kind of a rock heavy um, parts, you know, with if a you- da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, you know. If you were to compile a list of uh, metal songs before the true birth of metal, mm-hmm. this would be one of them. This would be one of them. This was this, yeah, I, would I would say until Black Sabbath came out, this was the heaviest song ever written. And and that that little bass line that it starts with, um, they continue that when you know Jimmy Page comes in with the guitar yeah. doubling and everything. And he's that's where he's using the uh, the violin bowstring to get that sound. That that's what it is. Gotcha. And this is the song when they play live it. Um, they break in the middle for Jimmy Page to do his 15 minute solo. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Where he's still got yeah. that bow out and he's just like yeah. going to town on it. 
And it's very interesting because when I first heard this, I didn't realize that that riff changed part of the way through the song. Mm-hmm. Where they'd go, bum, 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 bum. Where instead now it's bum, 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 you know. And they'll, they'll kind of hit the low note on the one, mm-hmm. which I know I'm, I'm using music theory now. I'm, I'm about to, at least. But um, I'm going to try not to nerd out here. I don't think they hit the low <laughs> note on the one. Um, ba-dum, ba-da-da-da, ba-dum, ba-dum. Yeah, they, I guess yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, you know, the listeners have to listen to it themselves, but that's what I heard, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it at first, but I knew something was different, hmm. and I guess that's what it was, and it's kind of just a little nuanced thing that you'd only know if you listened to the song multiple times, but I'm glad they changed it because I actually liked the change more. Hmm. Um, I think they always yeah. do it after coming out of that, that the first time. Yeah, but whenever mm-hmm. they come out and go into a verse it's back to the normal i think and the first chorus is like that mm-hmm. huh i've never noticed that before Be- yeah okay um thank and- you for enlightening <laughs> me. and then of course they have that weird interlude section yeah um where this is what i'm talking about when john paul jones and john bonham are just kind of sitting in the back and kind of jamming with each other yeah that and, and and Jimmy Page is just going into weird, weird, weird land, uh-huh. and so is Robert Plant. He's just following him. Um, you have that call and response thing going on, mm-hmm. um, and then the and then we get to the jam section. Yep, in the middle and, and where it, it just it just all of a sudden amps up out of nowhere, and yep. Jimmy Page just starts wailing. Yep. And and when I first heard the solo, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of an underwhelming Jimmy Page solo, and then. You know, I realized they're kind of coming out of nothing, so it's kind of hard for him to do something. Mm-hmm. So it's going to sound kind of kind of bad to my ears, because I'm used to everything kind of flowing. Yeah, it's um, off the first album. It's off the first album, and it was live. They were they were doing it in a live setting, so they were kind of feeding off the audience, I, I'm sure. And that's, I guess, what felt right at the time. Um, because Well, there, I wouldn't say there was an... I don't think there was an audience. Really? No, because whenever people played live back then, that uh, like what, for recording. Oh, I thought they were ripping it off of the mixer for the live setting. No, 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 no. Okay, that they're changes. playing it live in the studio. That changes. So they're not. Everything. They're not okay. like they're. It's one take. That's it. But the vocals are not in there. Vocals are are always dubbed later. Right. And typically, guitar solos are dubbed later. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, rhythm, guitar, bass, drums. That's all played live right. in the studio. Mm-hmm. So that's what that means whenever... I got saying, you now. This, when, the, when they're saying I the album, the album was played live in the studio, that doesn't mean live for an audience. Okay. Because, I mean, <laughs> there's no way they'd be able to control people. It's like, don't clap, don't clap after they play, because that would bleed in like to everything you're hearing. And Right, and I thought at some point it was bleeding in, because, you know, he finishes his solo, and which, you know, it... it it starts off, in my opinion, bad. Okay, that's just my opinion. But it it evolves into a really good solo. Mm-hmm. And it's very Jimmy Page. It's got, you know, the little triplet arpeggiation yeah. and stuff. And classic Jimmy Page. Really good. Monstrous drum fill to end it. Yeah, and then it goes into the da-na-na-na, da-na-na-na-na. That's, that's the best part of the song. That's the best part of the song. Exactly, And that's yes. what makes this song my favorite song and, of the set. And when it when it transitions back to the... Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-
Oh, yeah, and it's very it's very Tom Sawyer esque. Yep. Not to draw things oh. back to Rush, but oh, Rush Neil Peart was heavily influenced by John Bonham. Yep. Well, and and there you can see it in this song um, because you know it comes back into the main riff, and there's the drum fills. Mm-hmm. And um, this was this was their uh, first masterpiece. Yeah. Like there, there's some other good songs on the first album, but this is the mm-hmm. the only one on that album that I'd say like this is one of their this is top five this, greatest it, songs that they ever made. Yeah. And they actually didn't write this song. This is an old blues standard, really, that they just made their own. And of course, like a lot of like because you know that chromatic baseline, they didn't write that. They didn't write the lyrics, although I do think that they changed them to make them more edgy. Mm-hmm. But this is they have a long history of that, and mm-hmm. have had a lot of copyright troubles oh, with wow. it because they you know because in some ways you can lift from old blues songs but another point got to make sure that you're giving credit to the right people mm-hmm. sometimes the people are dead and they forget to credit people that own his estate mm-hmm. and all that stuff so um this is this was an old blues i actually really surprised me when i found that out i was just like really i would have I, sworn that they i, I thought they wrote this now of course yeah. it's it's still a re- all led zeppelin because just they, oh. the way they were able to adapt it to themselves mm-hmm. yeah. is really incredible. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that again on another song on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go ahead and move into the next song. The next song, um, and I'm thinking of Days and Confused. Oh, Cashmere, my favorite Led Zeppelin. This song. is one of the earliest Led Zeppelin songs that I knew. Same um, here. And it's because I was jamming with one of my old bands back in middle school, and we we're just kind of at my friend's house. And it was kind of a dead moment. And I started going, da na na da na na da na 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 Because, you know, that's right after, like, you know, Marvel started becoming, like, a big thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that was in the first Iron Man movie. That that kind of same riff, you know, which, you know. I've, I've, I've I think, heard it multiple times. No. Don't tell don't, me it wasn't there. I don't think it's in Iron Man. Because, again, like, no one got to use. Well, it was, it was, well, but you got to remember that's a very simple thing. You know, Megadeth does that in um, in My Darkest Hour, and um, oh, there, there's other examples of that same. Yeah, but they use the same chord progression. You know, right. I mean, yeah, but there's the way that Cashmere does it is so unique just because right. you got that also that polyrhythm right. going on of you know everyone's playing in three but john bonham's playing in four right and yeah and so anyway i was playing that riff and because it just came to me and my friends were like oh is that cashmere i'm like what i've never heard of this song in my life and so then i had to go listen to it and and that was the first one I've ever in heard. my opinion so, yeah more so than stairway to heaven this is their this is their their greatest achievement. this is their definitive this is Led Zeppelin song. I can't even imagine writing a song like this in 1975. I yeah, because it's it, it's once again it's atmospheric, um, at to a point right. Um, it's but so it's still complex. it's still just kind of rocking like you know yeah normal beat. And how do you come up with this song? You just I I don't know. I guess you do drugs. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> And I, I think a, I think John Paul Jones had a heavy hand in the composition of this song that because he's the sense. one that's you that know that's putting together that that whole string the mock string mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, because he's the string composer. Yeah. yeah, but I think from what I also have read up that Jimmy Page came up with a lot of the musical ideas in this mm-hmm. song as well. But, I mean, really, besides the strings and Robert Plant, everyone really lays back on this song. There's no big guitar riff. Mm-hmm. There's no big solo. A lot there of the, really isn't. A lot of the drum fills and grooves are really restrained. The bass is hanging in the back. Obviously, mm-hmm. Robert Plant slays on this song. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially towards the end, and and to- towards the end of that mid section, goes ah, oh that that big you know, note yeah in the middle and of the it song. makes you think you know Arabian nights da 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 you know it, <laughs> ma- it makes me think of Aladdin yeah um, but I'm sure that's the point because the name of the song is Cashmere mm-hmm. um, what what uh what mode are they using because it's definitely... oh my gosh um, if I had to guess it was probably something like Lydian. Yeah, that's you know, what, where, that it's got, where it's got that well. sharp four, mm-hmm. um, which is the same uh, mode that they that Rush uses in Xanadu, oddly oh, enough, um, when they slide from the major E to the major F sharp, hmm. because it adds kind of that, and and a lot of um, a lot of movie scores will use that too, yeah. because it there's kind of like an expectation mm-hmm. if you if you slide up, you know, um, from that chord to you know two steps up. Yeah. Um, because it's got that sharp four. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was Lydian or if it was probably um, Dorian or Phrygian or some really weird one. It's nice to have a theory Because they are Led the Zeppelin. Yeah, and, and I know that probably means nothing to a lot of the listeners, but different major modes, you know, you'll have your major scale, but if you start at a different point in the major scale and then construct your octave from there, it has a different feel. And so, for example, C major has the relative minor of A. Well, that's just called the Aeolian scale. If you start from A and then go through the C major scale and end with A. And so, obviously, there's all seven of the different types of... You just pick um, a different starting point. You just pick a different starting point. And so, for Lydian, it would be you'd start on the F for... But still, still apply the same. And you'd still, you'd still go I've, through the I've, same notes. I've learned what these are in principle, but I've never gotten good at actually like using them. Using them. I mean, I I usually will compose in major, minor, or Dorian. Mm-hmm. You know, and most people do. Yeah, and, and then there's the Jimmy Pages. And then there's the, the Jimmy world. Pages here who are in you know Phrygian or Lydian or whatever. Yeah, and using alternate tunings at the same time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but um, yeah, this this song is just it's just it's a monolithic song. It is. It's, it's, in my opinion, this is just the song that I feel like their whole career led to, Mm -hmm. and then there was just nothing else after that. And this whole song, too, when you listen to it, you feel like you're in some, especially during some parts where there's the mock synth that Mm -hmm. John Paul Jones is doing, you feel like you're in, like, a desert expanse riding on your camel, Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. That's, I remember this was one of the songs I heard when I was uh, in junior high, mm-hmm. and just it really just like captured me. I was just like, this is one of the coolest songs I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it's again, it wasn't the first Zeppelin song I'd heard, but it was the first one that made me go, okay, I need to, I need to figure out about this band. Because mm-hmm. I'd heard about them, but this was the song that I was just like, I gotta get this on iTunes, yep. I gotta listen to it. This is a really cool sounding song. Yep. And I hadn't ever heard anything like it before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's not 
much, I guess you can say more about this song that would... Now, this would seem yeah. like a great song to end on. Um, I, but, I actually wouldn't agree. I'm glad that this is Well, was no, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not. Mm-hmm. And so you would think, oh, this is so epic. It's it's eight-minute track. You mm-hmm. know, it's... But and I, I was thinking about because originally I had this as the last song. And I was just like, but I think there's still room to go one more place. Yes, which would be... And I think it's this balls-to-the-wall jam yep. of When the Levee Breaks. When the Levee Breaks. Which oh. has... Which I've never heard before. It has. This, this is my all-time favorite drum intro mm-hmm. and my all-time favorite drum groove because of it's just got how, a groove. just because of how not because of how complex it is or how like memorable it is, but just because it does exactly what it's supposed mm-hmm. to do. Like when we were listening to it, the whole time we couldn't yeah. help but just <laughs> rock back. Oh and forth. my gosh! Yeah, no, Lucas was about to headbutt the steering wheel at some point. Yeah. But, um, because we were listening to it in his car. Yeah. And, uh, it, I had never heard the song before. And when I first heard it, my first thought was like, oh, this is Led Zeppelin's Sad But True. You know, every band has that kind of slow rock, just awesome riff that kind of just permeates the whole song and kind of drives the song. Mm-hmm. That's what this is for them. Yeah. And, uh, the way that they got that great drum sound is mm-hmm. they put him at the bottom of the stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> and then put the mics at the top of the stairwell. Wow. I and, mean, you know, just leave it to Led Zeppelin do something he, weird he like just, that. He just beat the snot out of those drums. You can hear it. Yeah. You can hear it. And just getting that, all that echo and that reverb on it and just mm-hmm. giving it just that, that, just that big washy feel. That's this whole song. It's just, it's the wall of sound. It is. But done in a really great way. Mm-hmm. And, and partway through the song. You know, you've got that riff and you've got that beat that's kind of just bringing it home. Um, but partway through the song, you know, everything will cut out and Jimmy Page will come in with like a... It sounds like a 12-string. It... it mm, okay. I'm not going to argue because I didn't think about it, but... kind of sounds like it to me. Here we go back into he Rush. Because he loves that 12-string. Uh, yeah. That, that double-necked guitar. Yeah. It would not surprise me at all if that was a 12-string. Which... It's one of the best parts of the song. Sounds like something off of Caress of Steel, to be mm-hmm. honest. Which, we're coming back to Rush, because oh, I yeah. was a Rush superfan at some point. Mm-hmm. Or at many points. Um, but... And especially um, Robert Plant's vocal line. Sounds very Getty Lee. Yeah. And this, this part of the song... And this is pre-Rush. This, was, this album it came, was pre-Rush. Yeah, this is 71. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, the, the album I'm talking about, Caress of Seal, was 75. Yeah. It took them three months to write, so... Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And Fly By Night was in 75. They had, they had two albums come out in 75. Right. Um, anyway, the, um, it, it's got kind of a, a really weird um, guitar line going over it. Yeah. And... It's very pleasant, though. It's kind of like, you know, on paper, it shouldn't work. But, um... This whole song is just like... It's very Conceptually, pleasant. it doesn't make sense. But it then, doesn't, yeah. But then you... and this Listen is, to it, and... Yeah. yeah. This is another song of... This is like an old blues standard. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it's just... It's, it was... Oh, right, because we talked about yeah. Days and Confused being like mm-hmm. that. Just because, you know, the whole song is just about, you know, if it keeps on raining, the levee's gonna break. Mm-hmm. Which just... That's a blues thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what's the line? Um, 
crying and moaning won't do you no good. Yeah. That's that's so classic blues. Yeah. That's about as classic blues as it mm-hmm. gets. And I think that this is probably between either this or In My Time of Dying was probably the best that they ever did at reworking those old blues standards into something that's just mm-hmm. completely new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is the best song on Zeppelin Four, And that's... And that's mm. that's a controversial I mean, thing to say. You're talking to a stairway guy. Yeah, so. but I um, <laughs> I think that this is the song that the that separates the casual Zeppelin fans from the true Zeppelin fans. Yes, yeah, so then the, I'm a casual fan. The true <laughs> Zeppelin fans always talk about this song as being one of the best that they ever wrote, mm-hmm. and a lot of people put this in their top five of saying mm. that this is this this is one of the the I'm using this word again, monolithic mm-hmm. songs in their discography. But the people that don't really know about anything about Zeppelin besides what they hear on the radio tend to not ever know about the song because I was like that. It's I, not a radio song. I would hear, and I heard people talking about When the Levee Breaks over and Me over too, and over yeah. again and going, this is one of the iconic Zeppelin songs. I was just like, I've never heard this song before. Yeah. And then I heard it and immediately I understood why. Yep. Just from as soon as those drums started, I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is good. Mm-hmm. And it's just so unique because it's just, it's almost a structuralist song. Mm-hmm. It's just more of they're just, they're just plummeting their way. And of course, every time they go into that refrain, that ba na 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 oh man. It's just so good. And I actually do think that this is the pinnacle of Zeppelin IV. I think mm-hmm. that stairway is very close behind it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's just something about when the levee breaks. Yeah. It's just it's got so much power to it. It does. It certainly does. And it it was one once again once of the uh, one of those that was kind of like a pleasant surprise that I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of those with the Killers episode, and you know this song and Dazed and Confused, you know. Both of which I didn't really know before then. Mm-hmm. And both of them were great. I mean, I mentioned earlier, Days and Confused is my favorite of this whole list. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that that's a testament to their songwriting ability. Mm-hmm. That even though I've never heard these songs, I instantly love them. Yeah. And they're still so complex and, and lots of different nuances. And mm-hmm. they're not pop songs either. Um, so I think that's just indicative of their songwriting ability and their musical technicality yeah so well that's our list for led zeppelin songs when we come back we're going to briefly talk about the bonus song and then give our final thoughts so stay with us welcome back everyone to the good music podcast we just finished talking about our six songs that we picked for led zeppelin just to recap those songs were uh immigrant song rock and roll ramble on Dazed and Confused, Cashmere, and When the Levee Breaks. Yep. But now it's time to talk about our bonus song. So, Grant, tell us, what do we mean by bonus song? All what right. does that mean? So this song is kind of related in some way to the main artist, um, whether it's by like a side project or one of the members of the band is in a different band or maybe it's just the same time period or, or genre or whatever. Um and it's by an artist that we probably wouldn't feature in a main episode um, because for whatever reason, maybe they're a one-hit wonder or they're just not that popular. Um, and we just kind of want to showcase them in the podcast anyway. And so um, this song 
is honestly I thought it was a Led Zeppelin song when I first heard it. Um, and I'm sure everyone going to be their enduring every, legacy. Everyone listening to them will probably agree if they heard this song. Um, but it's When the Curtain Falls by Greta Van Fleet. Yes. Um, the modern rebirth mm-hmm. incarnation of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really freaky. There's been some Led Zeppelin clones in the days. Like, yeah. you know, we had Wolf Mother last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rush was considered that mm-hmm. in the early 70s. But Greta Van Fleet, I would say more so than any of those other bands, have yeah. been pegged as oh Zeppelin gosh. clones, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I saw a meme. I mean, have you seen those memes where it's like, Mom, can we have this? No, we have this at home. I don't think I've seen that. Okay, so so the the whole thing is like, Mom, can we have McDonald's? And Mom's like, no, we have McDonald's at home. And McDonald's at home is like rice and ketchup or something. <laughs> well, there was one there was one with Led Zeppelin, and then the punchline was that Led Zeppelin at home was Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which, I, I don't know if that was trying to insult them or just be a joke, but they sound just like them. Yeah. When I first heard you could, this you song on the radio... Someone. When I first heard this song on the radio, I thought it was a Led Zeppelin song I just hadn't heard yet. You know, because it was on, like, the hard rock station, the local, yeah. our local hard rock station. Uh-huh. And I kind of liked it. And then I looked, you know, I looked it up, you know, by the lyric that I heard, which in, coincidentally is the title of the song, um, When the Curtain Falls, Led Zeppelin. And then... I pulled it up, and I couldn't find the Led Zeppelin version, but I could find the Greta Van Fleet version. I'm like, well, I'll listen to that. It's the same thing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It is, is going to be really interesting to see what this band's legacy is. Yeah. Because every, I think prematurely, everyone's t- saying they're going to bring back rock and roll, and just, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. No. But I want to know what this second album is going to be. Yeah, I want to know if they ever like find their own sound. Yeah, not in a bad way. Not that their sound think, is bad. But. I think, but if they do another Led Zeppelin album, yeah, it's just they're gonna kind of fade into obscurity. Yep, they're gonna be they're gonna would have had their moment in the sun and then it would have been gone. Yep. But I really, I really want to see if they have the ability to kind of do something that's gonna be completely them, where they're gonna lose the, sorry, the comparisons. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if you want them to bring rock and roll back, they're going to have to do that. But then talking about the song, this is a really great rock song. It just is a good song. Um, And, you know, like I said, I tried to look it up after I first heard it because I actually really like this song. Um, And not as much anymore because I kind of drowned it out of my ears. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of overplayed it to myself. But it has, you know, very iconic just kind of chord-ish riffage guitar um and the rock vocals yeah it's standard rock and that's probably why people are saying you know they'll bring rock and roll back um and it's not you know i i can't remember if it's got a guitar solo because yeah oh yeah it's got a ripping guitar solo uh, it just well because it just flows you know Mm -hmm. it's just it's once again it's standard rock and um Lucas says, of course, it's got a ripping guitar solo. So if you're a guitar player, you... That's my favorite thing about this song is is the guitar. Not just the solo, but just the guitar throughout. The riffs are really good. That's true, it does. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the little lines he plays in between. Mm -hmm. It's a really great song. So go check that out. That's also on the list at the end of our little set of Zeppelin songs. Yep. 
And uh, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts. So, final where thoughts. are you before and after? <laughs> where was Led I before? Zeppelin? Um, I there was a lot of individual Led Zeppelin songs that I liked, and um, I appreciated them as musicians. And I would say, you know, I kind of like Led Zeppelin. Um, and I, I don't want to say that my opinion of them hasn't changed because of this podcast, because it has, but I'm still cosmically in the same place about them. Mm-hmm. I like individual songs by Led Zeppelin, and I would say they're very talented musicians, they're very good composers, and I, I really like them. So I would probably go so far as to say that they're one of my top bands, that I really love Led Zeppelin. Even though I'm not into the whole Led Zeppelin lore and like all of their songs, but... I have yet to meet a Led Zeppelin song that I hate. Yeah. You know? Just, and, just don't listen to Presence or Into the Outdoor. Okay. Or <laughs> the last three albums. Okay. Well, that's probably why they're the last three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I am in a very different place in feeling about Zeppelin before and after mm-hmm. this process. Um, Again, I, if you had asked me, do you like Led Zeppelin? I'd say, yeah, I love Zeppelin. But now I truly do love them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're now, for the first time, influencing me as a musician mm-hmm. and me musically and me and my style and mm-hmm. how I play, especially on the drums, where they really hadn't before. Um, so my love for Zeppelin has definitely reached a new level through this point. And I'm really, really glad that I got I researched them because mm-hmm. now I have a more a deeper appreciation and knowledge of them that is definitely going to carry with me throughout my musical career. So yeah, that's our episode. That's the episode. Thank you so much for everyone that has listened all the way up to this point. <laughs> it's, this, it's a long one. Our our episodes are overall just getting longer, which I'm <laughs> fine with. If you don't like that, just let us know, and we probably won't. Just listen hit the to times two button. We probably won't listen to you, but who knows. And, uh, yeah, just leave us a review, leave us a comment, and uh, check out our new episode that will be out next uh, Monday morning at 9 a.m. And we've got a really, really fun modern band to get into next time. Yes, I really enjoy this band and their compositions and... We're gonna have all some, the things they do. So we're gonna have some sure really cool discussions on this. Do band. not miss that one because I know you have a lot planned that you want to say, and I do too. Um, I have a lot of stories that I want to share, but um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, find us our Facebook page and uh, participate in the discussions we got going on there. Also, and the, we got two links in every episode description. One is to the Spotify playlist. Um, you can even follow that playlist if you want. I believe it notifies you whenever songs get added to it, although mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure on that. But still, it'd be cool. And uh, also to be able to donate to this channel. So uh, check out both of those. And that's that's all I got. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music.